Good morning. We'll be in chapter 5 of Ecclesiastes today. Chapter 5, verses 8 through 17. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you uh, for your help in, in, in getting through this uh, sometimes uh, difficult book. Lord, and um, we ask for your help today, Lord, in a sometimes difficult topic, uh, wealth and money, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your presence here even now. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So again, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 8 through 17. So one of the things uh, most people know about Solomon, who, who wrote Ecclesiastes, was that he was rich. Okay, he was filthy rich. Uh, I read in uh, MSN Money Magazine, they had this uh, survey of the top 20 richest people ever, like in history, and he was number five. And uh, if you want to know, Genghis Khan was number one. Uh, he had a lot of land. But anyway, in, in today's dollars, uh, Solomon would be worth uh, $2.2 trillion. $2.2 trillion. So whether that's completely accurate or not, the fact is that we know that he was immensely uh, wealthy. We read in uh, 2 Chronicles uh, 9.13 that each year Solomon received about 25 tons of gold. Uh, verse 14, this did not include the additional revenue he received from merchants and traders. All the kings of Arabia and the governors of the provinces also brought gold and silver to Solomon. So just that 25 tons of gold in today's dollars is 1,150,000,000. And that was per year. So just the gold per year. So the point is when Solomon talks about money in today's passage, uh, we can argue that he's uh, speaking from experience. He's speaking from some sort of authority, especially as he looks back uh, in his life. Now, instead of reading the whole passage, I'm going to just read the verses as we, as we go along. So chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. If you see in a province the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter. For the high official is watched by higher, and there are yet higher ones over them. But this is a gain for a land in every way, a king committed to cultivated fields. So this section is talking about the inevitability of a corrupt political system. And Solomon says, don't, don't be amazed by this. Now, ideally, the bureaucracy and government should serve as a checks and balances uh, from, from one level of, of government to the other. You know, but as we know, too often those checks uh, that we see are the ones that they write to each other and the balances that they're concerned about are, you know, their own balances in, in their own accounts. So, so this money grab by uh, government officials, especially as Solomon observed in his time, led to the oppression of the poor, uh, you know, usually in the form of, of high taxes, which Solomon calls a violation of justice and righteousness. And as we know, oppression of the poor is a common theme uh, in the Old Testament, as king after king, uh, they didn't prioritize the protection of the poor, and, and most of those kings even took part in the oppression of the poor. But so, needless to say, this this is all about the money. 
The oppression of the poor that Solomon talks about here is fueled by greed. It's fueled by greed. Which brings us to verse 10. So in, in these next eight verses, uh, Solomon kind of mixes in some proverbs. He mixes in some thoughts and, and some observations about money. He says in verse 10, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth will be satisfied with his income. This also is vanity. In other words, you'll never have enough money, he's saying. And those who love money will never be satisfied by the money they do have. Now keep in mind, we're not necessarily talking about an amount of money here. I mean, both the rich and the poor can love money. Uh, both the rich and the poor can turn money into an idol. So it's not about how much you have. It's, it's, a, it's about the heart. It's about being content uh, in, in your heart with what you have. I mean, part of our sin nature is not being content uh, with what we have. I mean, just ask Adam and Eve. They were in what would, we would think a, would be a perfect situation, yet they weren't content. Um, anybody remember Nelson Rockefeller? Like he's this really rich dude. Uh, he, he once said when asked by a reporter, how much money is enough? And he answered, just a little bit more. Now, uh, when I was a kid, Rockefeller was like the go-to rich guy. Okay, by the way, he's number seven on the rich. As in, when I wanted something from my parents, uh, there was, and they couldn't afford it, there was always this appeal to Nelson Rockefeller. I was like, what do you think I am, Rockefeller or something? Uh, or, or, I'm not Rockefeller, you know. And, and that's when they got tired of, you know, the, the whole money doesn't grow on trees. Or, um, what do you think, I'm made out of money? All right, so, um, but to his credit, uh, Rockefeller later on in life, he became incredibly generous. And as a result, he, he became uh, much happier for it. He also said at one time, it is wrong to assume that men of immense wealth are always happy. So that's coming from the uh, number seven on the list. Number 11, when goods increase, they, are, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? So here Solomon is saying that you'll attract leeches. Uh, the more money and the more stuff you have, the more so-called friends uh, you'll have and the more money you'll spend. I mean, you read about this all the time when it, when it comes to star athletes. Uh, they sign their first million dollar contracts, and the next thing you know, it, friends are coming out of the, the, the woodwork. Um, you know, th these are guys that, that wouldn't give them a piece of gum in high school, now all of a sudden they want to be part of his uh, inner circle of friends. Uh, former uh, football player uh, Bernie Kosar uh, the Cleveland Browns, uh, at one time he signed a multi-million dollar contract, which by today's standards is nothing. Uh, it was a five-year, $5.2 million contract. Uh, he made millions more as a player, uh, as a businessman. Well, he ended up filing for bankruptcy. And, and this is all too common uh, in, in the athletic world. At one point, uh, Kozar was paying 60 cell phone plans for friends and family at the same time. 60 cell phone plans. I mean, he was generous, obviously, but he wasn't uh, perhaps very wise. 
Verse 12, Sweet is the sleep of a laborer when he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. Now Solomon's suggesting that the common laborer sleeps better than the rich person. But the overall point is that whether rich or poor, the person who loves money can't sleep well because they're always trying to get more. They're always trying to protect uh, their money. They're always trying to protect what they have. And Solomon warns that that, that doesn't bring peace. The money doesn't bring peace. It doesn't bring rest. It doesn't bring enjoyment in life. Verse 13, There is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by the owner to his hurt. Now this is a warning against keeping your riches. It's, it's a call for being generous. Uh, other Bible versions call it hoarding. And, and all of us by nature, I mean I confess, have a little bit of Ebenezer Scrooge in us. But Solomon calls hoarding or keeping your riches a grievous evil that actually hurts a person. I mean, those are strong words. I don't know about you, but doesn't it feel good to give generously? Generously? And, and, and we don't give generous, generously to feel good. Uh, we know this. We give generously because Scripture tells us to. Uh, and, and because we love others. And, and because we know how generous others, but especially of God, have, has been to us. Now think about a time in the past when you've given generously. I mean, that felt great. Now think about a time in the past when you've given sacrificially. There's a difference. I mean, I mean there's, there's this difference in our emotional response. There's, there's a difference in our spirit. Uh, the decision to give sacrificially was, was, uh, was a little more difficult. It, it, there was a little bit of risk involved. Uh, presumably, there was more prayer involved when we give sacrificially. And, and consequently, there's more faith involved as well. It, it's like our, our hearts grow a little bit bigger uh, when we give sacrificially. It, it's like this uh, spiritual boost. And, and, and forgive me, but I, I can't help but think of you know, the Grinch you know, when his heart grows. <laughs> And when he gives back all the stuff, um, of course, he wasn't giving sacrificially. But anyway, Jesus speaks to this in Luke uh, chapter 21. Uh, As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. And Jesus said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. So as, a monetary, as monetary value is concerned, she didn't, she didn't give a lot. She didn't give much, but she gave sacrificially out of a sincere, uh, selfless, and faithful heart. She trusted in God's provision. Verse 14, And those riches that were kept were lost in a bad venture. And he is father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. So here the poor person who hoards his money uh, ends up losing it in a bad a business venture, and the father ends up with nothing to leave his son. But, but Solomon's main point here is that there is no security in money. Money is fleeting. 
Uh, even if you're wise with your money, you, you could lose it at any time. Uh, you know, with a bad, comp uh, bad economy, uh, you, you get laid off from your job, your know, companies close, unexpected expenses come up. Proverbs 23, 4 through 5 says, Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust in your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. I mean, what a, what a picture that is. Uh, with, with the next few verses, Solomon echoes a theme he, he's brought up a few times before. You can't take it with you. He says in verse 15, As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again naked as he came, and shall take nothing for his toil that he may, car he may carry away in his hand. This is also a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there for him who toils for the wind? Uh, with, with these verses, Solomon argues that even if one's wealth weren't lost, but kept throughout life, one can't take it with you. The point, points he makes are that everyone enters the world with nothing and leaves it with nothing. Uh, and since a person can't uh, take any fruits of his labor with him, uh, when he dies, he really gains nothing from his labor. Now, keep in mind, he's, he's talking under the sun here. And all his effort is wasted as if he had toiled for the wind. It's vanity. It's meaningless. And Solomon calls this also a grievous evil. And then, finally, in verse 17, Solomon seems to condense all of what he's, he's just said in this thought. He says, moreover, all his days, you know, he's talking about the, the person who loves money, uh, all his days he eats in darkness with much vexation and sickness and anger. And Solomon's suggesting that's the plight of the person who tries to find satisfaction in, in life through money and stuff. Those things never truly bring satisfaction. And, and then you die anyway. So let, let, let's sum up what Solomon says about wealth. You'll never have enough. You'll attract leeches. You won't sleep well. You'll hurt yourself and possibly others. You'll never truly be secure. You'll leave it behind when you die, and you'll be a miserable person. So how many of, how many of you want to be rich now? <laughs> I mean, be honest. Let's just say that rich is 100 grand a year. Okay? Let's, let's establish 100 grand a year. You're rich. Now, based on what we've just heard, would you turn that away? Would you turn, if you were offered 100 grand a year for the rest of your life, would you turn that away? I know I wouldn't. And I guarantee most of you already have thought in your head what you would do with that money. Now, I don't think any of us would turn it away. But I'm going to tell you why. And it's not because we're greedy either. Here's why. It's because we would be able to say, that's enough. Right? We, we'd be able to say, um, uh, we'd be able to be content with a hundred grand. Uh, money wouldn't become an idol to us. And, and because we wouldn't attract leeches, we would set limits. We would be generous, but wise and discerning. We would exercise tough love.
And, and we wouldn't lose any sleep over it either. After all, money isn't that important to us. We, we could take it or leave it. No lying awake or fretting over this money for me. As, as far as hurting myself and not being generous, well, think of how much more money I would be able to give if I were rich. I mean, as it is with my income now, I have to be careful with my money. I can't be as generous as I would like to be. Imagine how generous I'd be able to be with a hundred grand a year. And when it comes to security, well, my security comes through Jesus. As far as I'm concerned, he can take it all away from me, and it wouldn't matter one bit. Remember what Solomon said about vows. I can live like Paul, or I can live like Solomon. Whatever God's will. Jesus is my rock of security. And all this can't-take-it-with-you stuff, well, duh, I know that. If I had a hundred grand a year, I'd catch up on my bills, maybe pay my house off, buy a decent car, and the rest I'd dedicate to God anyway. After all, Jesus said, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And as far as being miserable, look, I'm already content with what I have now. Why, I'd be even more content with $100,000 if I didn't have to be concerned about money. And how could anybody be miserable if they took in 100, 100 grand a year anyway? They, they have issues that have nothing to do with money. So, many of those things sound familiar? When, when, when you listen to your own hearts? Now, I know I've been, I've been exaggerating a little bit, but, but we've all, all probably thought uh, things like that when it comes to money. Oh, I would be different. Oh, that doesn't apply to me. The fact is, money and wealth are, are such issues for us that, that those topics are addressed all throughout Scripture, uh, much more than any other issue having to do with men and women. So as we wrap up, it's important to keep in mind that Solomon is not advocating poverty or riches. He's not advocating for either one. Both poverty and riches have their problems. As Proverbs 30, verses 7 through 9 show, it says, Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Right, that's one request. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. And the other request is give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of God. And that's a prayer. And I don't know if you're aware of this, that's the only prayer that's found in, in Proverbs. So the, the prayer is, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I, I might have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. So I, I'd like to close with a promise. 
Hebrews 13, 5 through 6. It says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he, God, has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. So, so did you hear the promise there? God knows that we are prone to love money. We are prone to fall into the trap of thinking that more money will make us happier, more content, more generous, more this, more that. So God promises. He doesn't promise us more money. He promises us His presence. John Piper says of this verse, if you enjoy the presence of God, more than the presence of money, you'll be freed by the promise of His presence. Liberty from the satisfaction of money's presence comes from the superior satisfaction of God's presence. When we, when we are in God's presence, whether that's through reading His Word, through prayer, through worship, through serving others sacrificially, through responding his spirit, through sharing, responding to his spirit and sharing the gospel. I mean, money no longer assumes its former importance in our lives. God becomes much more important. And we can trust in his provision because he will never leave us or forsake us. Amen? Amen. Let, let, let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your provision, Lord. And we thank you for your promise that you will never leave us or forsake us, Lord. But most of all, we thank you for the provision of your Son, Jesus Christ, who through him you have provided salvation, Lord. You have provided a way to reconcile our relationship to you, Father. We thank you, Lord, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.